0: Hi, welcome back to Inclusivity Podcast, episode 15, where I invite you to listen with your cup of tea. I am Leah, and we'll be co-hosting today with Daner. Our other co-host, Lori, is not with us today. However, we have a guest, and his name is Matthew McIver, Artistic Director of Iowa State Theater. But before we get started, we would like to recognize our podcast partners, Black Iowa News and Alliance for Sustainability. We invite you to follow our partners on Facebook. And while we have you, please like, listen, and share our Facebook group, Inclusivity be collaborative, where we share more tips and stories on sustainable living. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. Good morning, Matthew.
1: Good morning. I'm sorry. I'm just jumping right in.
0: No problem. Hey, it's about a good day, right? (laughs) Well, (laughs) we want to hear more about the origins of the Iowa State Theater and who you are and what your role
1: is there. Absolutely. And we're Iowa Stage Theater Company. So I call us a, a relatively new company with a storied history because we were formed from the merger of two longtime organizations in 2017. So, Repertory Theater of Iowa was a company that focused on classics and sort of classic plays and from the canon. And then Stage West focused on cutting edge plays and new works. Those two groups came together and started talking. And in 2017, they merged to form Iowa Stage Theater Company. So that's us. Some folks try to confuse us with Iowa State University, but they, we don't have their money. Wish we did, but <laughs> God bless. <laughs> They're wonderful people. Uh, but no, we are a, 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 a small, independent 501c3 nonprofit organization here in Des Moines. We do professional productions, meaning we pay all of our artists. We we don't pay a lot. We pay a stipend, but um, you know, constantly hoping we can grow the organization and continue to raise those rates if we can. Um, We focus at we take very seriously the fact that we are the child of two parents. So we have that classic kind of strain of what we do that's really important. Most recently. We just did uh, Shakespeare on the Lawn with our partners at Salisbury House and Garden. So if you if you know that historic home in Des Moines, it is an absolutely beautiful place. And right on the front lawn there in front of that gorgeous building, we do Shakespeare. We brought it back this year for the first time since the pandemic. Uh, we did King Lear, which is uh, one of Shakespeare's great tragedies. It's a family story, uh, you know, falling out of an older father and his daughters and it's a Shakespeare tragedy. So it ends up a mess and everybody dies, but it is still a wonderful show. And honestly, there's such humor and richness in in those classic scripts. So that's one aspect of what we do is that classic kind of work. The other thing that we do that we're very excited about is Cutting edge work, important contemporary voices. Now, we're going to talk in a minute about Sweat and Lynn Nottage, but she is one of our most important living playwrights. Uh, Sweat is a masterpiece looking at labor in America, looking at what happens to communities when jobs get stripped away by corporations sending them overseas. What happens to people when friends fall out, when when, when the powers that be play on... Divided loyalties between labor and management when the powers that be, sometimes other folks play on race to try and separate people. It's a it's a powerful show. It's a new and important work from one of our most important living playwrights. So those are kind of that kind of is the overall uh, what Iowa Stage does in general. I, as artistic director, am responsible for all the programming that goes on. Um, I'm, a, I'm 100% of the full-time staff at the moment, so I, I wear a lot of different hats in different ways to make sure that this fine organization continues to grow. We're really fortunate to have a resident artist company, which is artists who have made a commitment to us, and we've made a commitment to them, who help shape and grow Our organization, who participate in our shows, who help with the load-ins and load-outs, who help set policy for the organization and pick the plays moving forward. This is not something one person does. This is theater is a collaborative effort, and we're very grateful to that resident artist company and also a very engaged board of directors. Uh, You know, y'all know I'm sure that nonprofits thrive based on how that board uh, comes together and, and sets the vision and oversees the activities. And we're very blessed to have. Both a very engaged board of directors and the, and these wonderful resident artist company as a, as an organization to help us who don't have maybe all the money of an I, I, ISU, if you will <laughs> to nonetheless try and create award winning, thought provoking you know heartwarming theater which is kind of our mission.
2: Fantastic. So you mentioned Sweat and Lynn Nottage. Tell us more about that play and why you wanted to produce that.
1: This play is one that I have wanted to do for a long time. We were originally scheduled for May of 2020. Uh we can all remember what happened that particular spring and why we didn't get to do theater indoors at the moment thanks to uh the rona, but we had to push it back. So we are finally I I could not be more excited to get this story in front of Iowa audiences talking about working people. Uh, it's set in Reading, Pennsylvania. Now, this was a play that was Lynn Nottage's Broadway debut. Some say a, a much uh, uh, should have been should have been on Broadway sooner than she was. Uh, Lynn Nottage, for those who may not be acquainted with her, again, I'm going to say she's probably our most important living playwright. Earlier this year, uh, this is a woman, black woman, lives in Brooklyn, New York. Grew up in New York. Um, activist parents very engaged, uh, uh, went to Yale School of Drama uh, to learn playwriting. And then out of that said, you know what? I need some real world experience. Let me go work for Amnesty International for a couple of years. Uh, so really broadened her horizons, is, is engaged in the meaningful issues of the day uh, in her work and in her life. She's a, she's a force of nature. Earlier this year, Lynn Nottage had a straight play on Broadway, which is a huge achievement for any playwright. She had a musical on Broadway because she wrote the book for MJ, the Michael Jackson musical uh, that's still running on Broadway. And she had an opera at Lincoln Center up the street from from Broadway, if you know New York uh, theater geography. So one of her plays in uh, Intimate Apparel, which Pyramid Theater Company did a wonderful production of a few years back Um if folks know Pyramid Theater Company, local local black theater company tell uh, powerful stories. Tiffany Johnson is a powerhouse, their artistic director over there. Wonderful organization. So they did uh, Lynn Nottage's Intimate Apparel. That's now become an opera, which was at Lincoln Center. So Lynn Nottage is, had an opera, a musical, and a straight play running in New York at the same time. I don't wow. think anybody in history has ever had that before. Absolute powerhouse, uh, force of nature. An incredible craftsperson Wait a um, minute, back up. You said she had yeah. an opera and say yep. a, a play, at opera, a straight play, the, like non-musical, and a musical, all on stage in New York. The 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 straight play and the musical on Broadway at the same time. Wow. Oh my god. Like I'm telling. Wow. This is why I say probably our most important living playwright. Oh wow. Right. She is a powerhouse like i don't think that's ever been done before now she is phenomenal sweat is the play that won her her second pulitzer prize with pulitzer prize being one of the great prizes in drama Mm um that uh had a number of tonys that it won and was her broadway breakthrough her broadway debut back in 2016 i believe it was won the 2017 pulitzer um Sweat every Lynn Nottage is famous for the amount of research and detail that she puts into her scripts. So to tell this story about workers in Reading, Pennsylvania, she went to Reading, Pennsylvania for two years, <laughs> kept going back, making more trips, talking to more people, understanding what's happening on the ground. What do things look like now? What did things look like then? What was it like when you grew up? What you know, what are the prospects that you see for your kids now? What does all this look like? The play is set in 2000 and in 2008. In 2000, it takes place over a course of about six, nine months. And in 2008, it takes course over about five weeks. Um, and 2008 shows us the ramifications of what went down in 2000. So that's why she, she's got a hopping back and forth between those two things. You've got two uh, women in the show who are best friends, Tracy and Cynthia, Uh, Cynthia's black, Tracy's white, they have been working together at a factory called Olstead's for 25 years, uh, uh, roughly, and there's an opportunity for somebody on the floor to become management, which doesn't happen, and they both apply for it, and Cynthia gets it. Well, this puts a strain on their relationship, and that strain only gets worse when things get worse for the factory and labor relations start to fall apart. And now we're on different sides of this question Mm -hmm. and everybody's still trying to make a dollar out of 50 cents and buy another gimlet at the bar where most of the action happens. And you see one of the things I love about Lynn Nottage and I love about this play is she takes these huge it forces international capitalism right how do we understand what that means to people's lives to people's boots on the ground and she shows you in in human beings in friendships in loss in in struggles with addiction she shows you the costs of these huge policy decisions which seem so out of our control but at the same time have such profound impact on human lives the 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 intellectual scope of her work is at the highest level like what are the broad forces that are defining the american labor market what are the broad forces that are changing capitalism in, in late stage capitalism but you know nobody wants to go see a lecture
0: <laughs> right so yeah. it leaves me to ask you this then if you don't yeah. mind um please how, jump okay don't I, want to interrupt just keep i'll just
1: keep going, keep just keep going. <laughs>
0: no. well You're i are going to have worked.
1: to jump in cuz I'll talk about Lynn Nonage and sweat all day. So okay. I know you probably you probably need to eat dinner at some point. So just please.
0: <laughs> no, well, see, podcasts allow me to not interrupt people because I'm always inquiring things. But um, you covered such a uh a wide base that it kind of leads us to this question instead is yeah. how does um working in these places tackle race and equity through drama? How does that affect? People's understanding of these issues
1: I'm going to talk about this through through the theater world as well. So we had in the theater world which which tends to skew politically a bit liberal in terms of the organizations and the folks in it, I, I don't know if anybody's going to be surprised by that, but it it's true in the, after the you know we had that summer george floyd where all these issues which had been around forever got mm-hmm. surfaced in ways that people kind of had to deal with had to mm-hmm. confront and a lot of organizations then brought in say you know black or 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 other people of color leadership like okay we're going to make some changes we're going to bring some of these folks into leadership positions but mm-hmm. in a lot of situations now what we're seeing is they were brought into situations that were kind of a mess and then didn't have the resources really to fix what needed to be fixed and start to have some struggles and then some folks are saying well hey but hang on we I thought we brought in this leadership to change everything i say that but you you've seen that a couple times in theater i say that to say something happens in this play where there's a sense in which, uh, when Cynthia gets this promotion, it's, which is a little bit of a spoiler, but it happens early. You 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 start to get the sense as things go on that she's being set up to take a fall if ah, things go bad.
0: Huh. Okay, oh, okay.
1: So real life. So, <laughs> so real life. Yeah, real life. Okay. They you know you bring in somebody who's a person of color. You bring in somebody who's black. You put them in this position. And then you hand them this poison chalice of, you got to go deal with this now. And it's going to be you who's, who's the figurehead for it. Right. You're going to be the one that ends up taking this fall. If it so, don't work, right. Oh my God. If it, if it don't work, it's on you. Yeah. Right. And, and, and if it don't work, it's, it's on everybody who looks like you. Well, we, we tried and that didn't work. Right. So right. there's, there's these there's these layers and these games that go on and and Lynn Nottage is is, is sharp as a tack, and that doesn't make me sound like I'm a hundred years old, but um, <laughs> she is a super sharp yeah. writer, and has these has this ear for the the details for the 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 specific challenges that people face in these situations where. You've been working towards this thing all your life and you get there and maybe it's not what you thought it was, because maybe the people who bring you into their club are not who you thought they were. Right. Uh, Even if you try and walk into these things with eyes wide open, sometimes you can't even see what you can't what you can't see till you climb to that next level. So there's a lot of and then there's. There's the 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 privilege. We had a long conversation in rehearsal last night about privilege, uh, different kinds of privilege, because. Uh, there's a, there's a two characters have a frayed relationship and one of them starts making racist comments like, well, you just got that job because you're black mm. and that kind of stuff that's coming out. These are people who've been friends for 25 years, right? But your
0: biases are still coming through at the end of the sometimes
1: day. That, sometimes it shows, you know.
0: Especially Jesus. when you have the struggle of money,
2: when money and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, different positions come into play, yeah, that's going to, you know, bring that out.
1: And part of privilege, part of white privilege in particular, is a sense of entitlement, is a sense of that should have been me.
0: Okay, Matthew, let's preach today.
1: All right. Well, I mean, let's just call it, let's call it what it is, right? You know, it's, it's, you know, folks who look like me and I, I don't know. Do they see the video on the podcast? If they watch
0: on, if they watch on YouTube, yes. But if they're like audio
1: listeners, no. (laughs) If you, if you watch it on YouTube, you know, I'm a white man. And, and most of the people who've been in charge of most of the stuff in this country have looked like me for most of the time. And that's just that's just the fact. So it's it's always been a thing for me to, to feel like I could be in a leadership position somewhere because you look around and most of those folks look like me. But that doesn't mean that it should be me. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't have to work as hard as everybody else. You know, to folks with privilege, equality can feel like a loss. Right. Um, and and I think that there there's also a really subtle way in which uh for for white folks the idea of white privilege for folks who have hard lives yes that part right they they they're like well well i don't have white privilege because yeah. you know i had to i just i had to struggle all my life I, you know i'm you right then nobody paid
0: for me to go to school and i got this yeah. house and i got this right. and i'm like yeah but you got the opportunity and mm-hmm. your opportunity didn't come covered in you're gonna fail um Because every time you get in that position of something, it's always, you know, well, you didn't know, but my background is engineering and I would often get projects and would get no kind of how to figure it out. And so I'll go finish and I have everything done and it would be a look of shock because my design folder is neat and all that stuff. And then the question would be, well, how did you figure it out? And I'm like, oh, so you pretty much, I was very vocal if you didn't know. But I'm like, so you pretty much knew you didn't give me enough information to figure it oh, out. Snap. But when I did, it was like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, because uh, well, we had a little sidebar before we got on here. Uh, Matthew is from Greensboro, North Carolina, and That's I got right. to talk about uh, being from Winston Salem. But at any rate, being at a HBCU, you're mm-hmm. taught how to think through your processes versus just knowing the answer, and so mm-hmm. I'm like, I was groomed to do this. I, you can figure it out, but I love knowing that um, this playwright was able to capture that uh, by having the different timelines, and then mm-hmm. having that uh, what you call it, protagonist and antagonist mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. theater, being two friends whose values it sounds like comes out, and and this mm-hmm. is stuff people see, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I have been told that, well, you know, you just got asked because you're black or, you know, you know, you were put in this position and I'm like, it's so, um, uh, what defeating when you say Dana, like, mm-hmm. why is my credibility not good enough? Like I'm good at my job.
1: What do you mean? Well, right. I mean, as a black woman, I'm sure you're just used to things being handed to you. It's
0: you know- right. <laughs> <Of> co- <laughs> yeah. It just falls in the sky, you know? It does, if, you're, man.
1: If, you're, if you're listening to this on the audio, you need to go on YouTube and see the face there. that Dana just made. <laughs> <It's> the face <laughs> that Dana just made is, is a whole story in itself. It um, so, yeah. So, and, and then we also see in this play, we see them. These are, these are women who are 45 in 2000. And oh, they wow. have 20 year old sons, 21 year old sons who are also working at the plant. And then we see how this gets handed down generationally and Ah. and the strains when there's labor strife what happens to these families when there's labor strife when there's when there's a a strike or a lockout um you you, there's so much that goes into this show and it she's such a tight concise writer Uh, there's a thing in theater and and film and tv too where they talk about you want to get into the scene as late as possible and out of the scene as early as possible it means you don't want any excess stuff at the beginning. And when you have hit the point that you need to make, you need to get out of there. Lynn Nottage is one of the tightest writers in that sense that I've ever worked with. Just absolutely fantastic. I just, I just, the last play I directed was by Eugene O'Neill who is not that he will go on for four or five pages. And then you hit the point, you're like, Oh, there it is. Um, but she is an extraordinary craftsperson in that sense. So uh, yeah, I, to your to your point, Leah, it's, it's the needing to to prove more and more, like overprove, you know, overcome those 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 intentional hurdles that get set up in front, and then for you know for one of these characters to get to get there, to get that promotion, to get that next month on the ladder, and then it's not a it ends up not being a good thing in a lot of ways for, for just rough, rough reasons. You know, now I'm making it sound like it's, it's, it's all grim and dark and, and there's real talk in this show. There's real things that we're talking about in this country, in this world. It's also, these people are funny. These people are vibrant. These people are, uh, our, our scrappers and fighters, all of them, every single one of them has worked hard. We we're talking. But you
0: need night. that in reality. You know, I often, um, a lot of times, you know, I'll use Chappelle, he's one of my favorite comedians and um, he gets scrutinized for telling the truth. And I laugh about how I've even been told myself that, oh, well, Leah, we can hear it from you because you say it with a little bit of humor. And I'm like, why do I have to talk about how to, I'm low-key hurt. You know, mm-hmm. but I got to tell it to you with a smile and be unaffected when deep down inside, I'm hurt. You know, I lost mm-hmm. an election uh, this year. And um, as I sit and ponder, do I do it again? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and people not understand that these issues are still here just because you're not in that thing that brought you the passion doesn't mean it doesn't hurt I'm sure Dana, you know, her background is in journalism. You know, Mm -hmm. our our different journeys are so similar when you're getting in these fields um, that are not, you know, predominantly black. There's nobody like you. And you're being put in positions that, you know, you wouldn't consider. Like I'll never forget um know how much you're familiar with Iowa, but well, said the Centerville, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that don't know, Centerville, Iowa is like, there's nothing there. And it's definitely like, no, I <laughs> love me, to hear that. <laughs> right. And it's, it's definitely none of me there. And if it's changed in 2022, mm-hmm. but going down there in 2001, I mm-hmm. was like, oh my gosh. And when I got sent to work in that area, I was like, oh yeah they're really trying to get rid of me. They do not want me to work because I'm down here in this. I mean, and I'm I'm like, I feel the fear now. Like the trauma is still there because I'm going out in these rural woods and it's nobody around. Cell phone signal doesn't work. So if something happens to me, I'm gone. Don't nobody know where I'm at, you know? And, Hmm. but I will say again, the humor and how to talk and relate to people goes over much better. And sometimes I have made make the thing worse, but a lot of times I was able to connect, but underlining though was still me, I guess having black privilege because at the time my supervisor who ran the state, he was a black man. Mm -hmm. And so it was, Oh, you just got the job because of him. Not you have the job and you're qualified and you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like when you keep Mm -hmm. going through those stuff. So, Man, this this play sounds so great. I'm I'm ready to go watch it. I wish it was a way to watch it virtually or hear it. It's about to come a movie. Like that sounds so relatable.
1: It's I think it is. And and to your point too, you know, the fact that you and Dana, I mean, you know, I don't know how much crossover there is in the experience of what an engineer does all day and what a journalist does all day, but those are pretty different fields. And for the two of you to have similar feelings or experiences or, or, or career paths or opportunity, you know, experiences in that sense to, speaks to those underlying issues. And then I think both of you would be able to watch this play, this woman who's working in a, in a factory, you know, packing steel tubes and, 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 and connect again with that experience. I, I do think it's relatable to use your, your point there. I think it's a very relatable play. And I don't, I think, I think, this is a play that I really want people to come see. I want there to be uh, a conversation around it. I think it's an important play. I think it talks about the world that we live in for real. And, and and I, you know, as much as we had that summer of George Floyd, I don't know right. how different that world really is right now as compared to how it was in 2000, 2008, you know, 1988.
2: I think in 2000, 2008, that's an interesting time period that most people are going to remember because, mm-hmm. you know, you had the housing market burst. Mm-hmm. You had people's um, life savings, their 401k. Stolen. Y2k. You had oh all God. of that um, yeah. going on. So, you know, even I've worked with like some millennials and, you know, they're they're super interesting to talk to because... Their worldview was really formed by, you know, losing, you know, seeing their parents losing their homes and having, you know, to move and take lesser paying jobs. Like a lot of like their belief system, you know, not wanting to necessarily purchase homes or or having a different view of the employee employer relationship, you know, really stems from that time period. And I, I remember that time period, too, because. 2008 would have been the only time in my life that I um could not find a job in Des Moines mm-hmm. at all and here I've you know got a four-year degree um which is a rarity was you know should have been able to I couldn't uh get a job working at Goodwill at that time like just nothing was moving so though that that six months that i experienced that in 2008 when you said that it was like wow there's a lot from that era that really um stands out and it it really resets a lot of people who had risen to a certain point in their career and then boom you know the capitalistic forces you know knock you back down you got to start all the way over working your way back up and then you get to this point you're like well where are we going where you know What's what's most important? It sounds like this play gets at some of that, um, those relational type things that, Mm -hmm. you know, really are what it's all about, not the materialistic type things. So, yeah. yeah. So I want to know more about how you cast something like this. Tell us about the cast. How does that work?
1: That's a great question, Dana. And the most important thing when we're looking at a play. so we We as a company, we want to try and and tell plays that reflect our community and that deal with these kinds of issues um at the same time, full disclosure we're a predominantly white organization um and and we 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 grapple with those issues as well so when we're looking at a play like this, the most important question is the f- the first most important question is is this play worth doing The second most important question is. Do we have the folks who can do this play? Can we find those folks? Mm -hmm. Um, We are very fortunate. Um, uh, I am working with uh, Davita Williams, is a wonderful actor who uh, was in intimate apparel uh, when the the Lynn Nottage play, The Pyramid, did some years ago. Uh, She and I have worked together before on other things as well. We did a reading of this play back in probably 2019. we did a reading of Sweat, thinking about putting it in the season, actually in 2019, maybe 2018. Um, we did a reading of it, thinking about putting it in the season, and we were able to, to pull together some great folks. So our resident artist company that I mentioned, we've got Alyssa Chetislaw, who's uh, playing Tracy in this, is a wonderful actor. Jennifer Hughes, uh, another member of our resident artist company, plays Jesse. Um Aaron Smith, who has done a ton of work, he's a, uh, a, a one of Pyramid's artists, has uh, is playing Grucy, who's uh, Cynthia's husband, Davida's character's husband. Uh, I think, I don't know that Davida has ever played a married character who wasn't married to Aaron, so that's kind of funny. Um, it's so back-
2: funny because <clears throat> I went to college with Davida and Aaron.
1: okay. And
2: okay. Yep, I went to college with them, and then Aaron and I. When I was in college, I was the managing editor of the student newspaper, and and one of our friends in common tricked me into going. They needed somebody to, um, you know, try out for uh, raising in the sun, and I said okay. I don't have time. I'm managing editor of this newspaper. I'll, I'll come. I'll just, I just give me some little bit part. And, and we'll be good. And they suckered me into being mama. Ah. So I had here, I had all of these lines. I'm trying to run a newspaper and learning all of these lines, but it was, you know, one of the like best experiences of my life, you know, working oh, with, with all of them. It was, I'm so all
0: over fun. here like, okay, Dana, tell me more. Like, what? You was right. in the whole play, right? Yeah, it right? Was and, great. and
2: then, and Aaron was, um, gosh, what's the name of the main character?
1: It's no, not I'm coming gonna to forget. you. I'm embarrassed. The
2: yeah. Oh, oh. yeah, the son was it Walter.
1: Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's Walter. Walter Lee. Yeah, okay. Walter Lee.
2: Yeah. So he was, Walter you Lee. know, and he was so phenomenal in that um, in that role. He's phenomenal in everything he does. So, yeah, yeah. you've got He's some wonderful. great people then.
1: Uh, well, and we're we're fortunate too. So I was I directed a play called A Soldier's Play, which uh, if you go on the Pyramid website, <laughs> technically when pyramid launched their their first play was um uh was raising the sun uh tiffany directed but they have two plays before that on their production history fences yeah. and a soldier's play that were they produced fences? before fences
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. okay and yep. a soldier's story that's turned into a movie that's yeah. the famous one that um like the stor- the the soldier's kill the
1: uh yep okay the sergeant yeah yes. yeah yeah Yeah. Amazing film. And Aaron was actually the the horrible sergeant in that production. And a guy named Jerry Brantley was in that play, uh, Private Wilkie. And he's in he's plays the parole officer in this one. Um, And we've got two great young actors uh, who were just in King Lear with us, Alex Wendell and David Robinson, who play the sons that I mentioned earlier. Uh, And then another resident artist company member, Tom Garrity, plays Stan, the bartender. And then Edward uh, Vasquez plays Oscar, who's uh a colombian uh guy works as a bar back and figures into the plot in some interesting ways down the road so uh, we're really lucky to have this cast um we do also uh, as a company we hold auditions we're going to be holding auditions for a christmas carol which is coming up in december so folks can go to our website iowastage.org that's Iowa, S-T-A-G-E, dot org, and uh and check out that information when we post that in a little bit here so we are always you know we have a wonderful resident artist company but at the same time the stories that we want to tell we can't tell with just just our resident artists we've got a bigger appetite than 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 that group could 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 do just on its own so we're blessed to have some wonderful guest artists in this community who are uh incredibly talented hardworking, thoughtful passionate folks who do just some extraordinary work i mean if you if you went to college with Devita, you know she's been doing this wonderfully for a long time erin too um and the the other folks in here are just top-notch as well i'm super excited about this cast um and about this story so yeah it's 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 des moines is kind of wonderful in that way mm-hmm. and we we try to be thoughtful you know because we, we've got pyramid in town and they're telling these wonderful stories and, but there are some stories that, so there's a lot of stories that we, we might read it. And they're like, that's a terrific play, but that's a pyramid play. So that's, you know, that's something they should be doing. And and that's, that's their space. So
0: you're learning like how to line up, what aligns with you and what, what, okay. And what doesn't. So yeah. Matthew, I hate yeah. to go, but I would love if you would come back to us at some point and talk more. Um, we're definitely going to, um, uh, Post out the organization for anyone that was interested in auditioning uh, yeah. to come out for Christmas. Um, and uh, let me see. What else? Then um, my closing question for you is. Yes. I think, did we ask you already? I think, where do we get our tickets?
1: No, not yet. No, we don't have okay. the
0: date, time, date, place, yeah. ticket costs,
2: oh, all that it. good stuff.
1: I got you. Um so we have uh, iowastage.org as our one-stop shop for all information about Iowa Stage Theater Company, our productions and uh, and how to get involved. So if you go to that web if you go to that website and click on the 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 splash page it should take you to sweat. If you pull down the shows menu, it should you know next production sweat should be up there. Um all of those are available to you. We are going to have information shortly about our production of a Christmas Carol, which is happening in December. I would to answer your your other question. I would love to come back. Y'all are so much fun. Um, uh, I'd love to come back and talk more about Christmas Carol. And we're going to be announcing in October our twenty twenty three season of plays, which I will say includes a. Uh, a, a rediscovered classic play that should have been the first play by a black woman on Broadway, but she wouldn't rewrite it for the white producers to get more comfortable with it. So. <laughs> ah,
0: gig, I love it. We ain't going to make it. Okay. All right.
1: <laughs> so we got that coming up in 2023. And when the season comes out, I'd love to talk, talk more with y'all about all of that. Okay.
0: All
2: right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, sharing, you know, what's happening with um, your company. And <clears throat> I'm just looking forward to learning more and and seeing some of your cool plays that you have coming up.
1: Well, thank you both so much. Uh, uh, Dana knows I, I'm a fan and subscriber of Black Iowa News and appreciate uh, what you guys do in the community and the perspective that you bring for everyone here. And I thank you for the opportunity for me to to rattle on and on about these wonderful playwrights and artists and stories
0: all right well we thank Thank you for that and hope you will follow us on we have inclusivity page where we're going to be uh where we promote our episodes and who we've talked to and looks like we can promote uh the iowa stage theater company that you're the artistic director of as well yes
1: absolutely
0: So I want to say thank you, Matthew McIver for coming with us today and hope that uh, our listeners will tune in next week on episode 16. And we would like you to please share, like, and review our podcast on YouTube, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, just to name a few. Um, And we appreciate our partners, Black Iowa News and Alliance for Sustainability. And for more information, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thank you.